You are listening to Get Real Podcast. Good to have you back in the fishbowl, man. Yep. It was a little strange not having you last week, but we had a great interview with Ashley Warhol and her dad. It's still up right now. I encourage our listeners to go take a listen to it. But we've got some new music we're going to talk about today from a band that we interviewed. Boy, it was like last summer. Time flies, doesn't it? It does. Winner's Resurrection has a new song. It came out in November, but I wanted to wait to put this out there just before Easter. And this week is the Holy Week, Easter. It's coming up this Sunday. And the title of this song is Break of Day. I want you to take a listen to this, and we'll talk about your reaction to it after you hear it. Cool.
What'd you think of that? Man, I don't know where to begin. I guess I'll start with technical. It's very well done. Oh, yeah. It's well yeah. recorded. And you know what? I always enjoy songs that the lyrical content and the actual mood of the music just are one and the same in a sense. Like if you removed, if you read the lyrics, you would understand what it's saying and, and there would be beautiful imagery there. And it's, but if you just listen to the music, you could possibly just be in the same kind of mindset of this is this profound, you know, what, what God did for us, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's amazing. And they are tight. They got their own sound. It reminds me a little bit of like Scorpions. Scorpions. Yes, and, and a little bit of docking in there too. But it's so epic and it's so well done. It's not, they got their own thing they going. Do. I really like them and they're like right here. Right here. Yeah. Go figure. Right here. And that song, when I listen to it, sounds ethereal. Is that what you're the, getting yeah, from that was that was the one of the words epic ethereal um somber but in a celebrative sense that you're looking at something so costly so beautiful but it's so moving in the sobriety and and you're kind of overwhelmed joyful melancholy yes yes wow wow Glenn. i just pulled okay that. thanks for tuning in today we appreciate it <laughs> no that's a great song i love those yeah. guys we had them all in the the studio and the, they were a riot we man. did i would have liked to bring them all back into the studio but we did a phone interview i was able to hang out with them just a few weeks before the covid19 yeah, outbreak yeah woo, woo flu all the over woo the place flu is here and I got to sit in one of their recording sessions and see the process of it, how it all comes together. And, you know, when you think recording, when you listen to something like that, you're like, wow, that must have cost thousands of dollars for them to do. But they've got the technical know-how to do it. And today, they're part of what I would consider the musical revolution of today, where you don't need a big recording studio. You don't need thousands of dollars. You just need some technical know-how, some actual talent in music to put out and a heart towards the lord to put something out that's quality well the arrangement you know the solos and nothing was over the top nothing was copycat it was all you could it, just the arrangement of the song the flow of the song the beauty of these epic solos everything went along with it the cohesion of the band members that's just good writing dude I, i'm a hobbyist i try to write different things and i admire everything about that i don't give out compliments very specifically and you know it's like that's amazing i thought you would like that song and those are our boys winner's resurrection right here down the street just a few miles down the street from the fishbowl here yeah, that is crazy isn't that amazing so i got robert who wrote the lyrics to that song robert wrote the lyrics and michael wrote the musical arrangement for it i was able to interview them over the phone to find out more about this song and there's some interesting twists to this song so Let's check out the interview that I had with Winner's Resurrection. And oh, we'll, we'll talk about this in a minute. I always miss the good stuff. Robert and Michael, thank you for being back with us on the Get Real Podcast. It's been a while since we've chatted. It has. And you guys were gracious enough to let me join you for one of your production sessions a few weeks ago. And I thoroughly enjoyed seeing how the process works and how a song comes to life and I finally learned why Robert they call you Meow Mix, and that was uh, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> One of the songs that we talked about while we were together was a song that you completed in November. It's called Break of Day, and I wanted you to share with our listeners how that song came about because obviously the song is about the resurrection of Christ. It's a very beautiful song, but it didn't quite start out that way. Can you guys share that experience on how this song evolved? Sure. Uh, Mike had the music for quite some time, and I just I loved it. I, I felt the emotion in it and just couldn't quite come up with anything for the longest time. And then I started listening to it in the car over and over and originally started coming up with a song called Break of Dawn, which was actually about a vampire going to sleep at dawn as people were rising and he could feel their pulses. So obviously it took a bit of a uh, dramatic turn from what it started as to what it ended as. So it just didn't work. And then I, I got stuck on break a day and I said, what happens at the break a day? And I thought that I wanted to try to capture the emotional state of Mary Magdalene in between the crucifixion and the resurrection. 
And obviously, at the crucifixion, as, as horrific and brutal as it was, I can't even imagine seeing it. So she had to be just devastated. But then there, there was that section in there where it was probably very melancholy. And that music just had that feel to me. And that's kind of how it played out. So what was the turning point from a vampire song to a song about the resurrection of Christ? I don't know if I can pinpoint anything particular. I just started you know, changing it from break of dawn to break of day. And Mike and I talked a little bit about it. And we kind of chuckled about the vampire idea. And uh, I, I'm going to go with it was just God's providence. That's what I'm going with. I, I, I've got a good friend that told me one time when I think things happen and it's such a neat, mere coincidence. He goes, that's not always a coincidence. That's God's providence. So that's where I'm going with it. I'd go with you on that, too. The more that I've been experiencing the Lord lately, the less and less I believe in coincidences. It's <laughs> one of those things that I'm just kind of putting over to the side. Michael, how long ago was it that you wrote the music for that? I want to say the, the beginnings of that was probably late 80s, early 90s, maybe even middle to late 80s, possibly. Because I knew originally when I did it, um, I had one of those little plastic four track recorders that we used to throw tunes and stuff like that down ideas. And Robert heard it and he was like, because it was an instrumental at the time and he really liked that. And he's like, man, we need to do something with that. And then here we are uh, within the last year or two, we made something of it. I find that very in line with the name of your band Winner's Resurrection. You're taking a lot of these songs that you wrote many, many years ago and bringing them back to life. Exactly. That's an interesting point. I haven't thought about that. (laughs) (laughs) Now that I've been quarantined and social distancing, I've been up here in the fishbowl thinking all of these things out. But yeah, it does make sense that you're bringing a lot of these things back to life. The process that I got to see the other day, can you share with our listeners a little bit of the process of how a Winner's Resurrection song comes about? Basically, um, as far as the song itself, it's pretty much like anybody else, really. We have some music. Um, sometimes we have lyrical ideas and it kind of gets crafted, um, inspiration strikes more hits us than it usually happens really, really quick. And it's really amazing how that works. Sometimes we really have to beat on it for quite a while. On the production side, I've basically got kind of like a little home studio with a computer, several monitors and different kinds of uh, gear that allows us to take the instruments directly into the computer. I also have uh, a Harry Potter-style under-the-stairs closet kind of a thing that uh, we make Philip, we vanquish him to there until he comes out with some kind of vocals. And I uh, had that also tied in the computer and basically do everything right here in my house. When I was there the other day, I got to hear Robert lay down the vocals before Philip did. And that was a uh, <clears throat> that was that was an experience. Um, <laughs> and hence he got the name Meow Mix. Uh, why is it that you have Robert lay down the vocals before Philip? Sometimes it, it all depends on the song and and the range that the vocal is going to go in. But as with the song, and I can't remember exactly which one you heard him do, but most of the time, he usually is like the primary writer when it comes to lyrics and stuff. And so he kind of, when he writes something, he kind of hears in his head how it's supposed to go. So he will come in and do his best to kind of lay down some tracks that Philip can listen to in his spare time work and stuff like that. Um, and the Philip's coming in, in some cases, Robert will have just laid it down, and Philip is basically coming in and hearing it for the first time. And the fact that he's able to turn it into the, his, put his stamp on it and turn the demos that we're doing into what you eventually hear is just amazing on his part. To take something he's never heard before. And, and turn it into something. It's- yeah, that's what happened the day that I was there. That was the first time that Philip had heard the song that you guys were working on. Robert laid it down. He listened to it, and then he went in, and you guys worked on it all day. And then by that evening, I had in my email box a brand new Winner's Resurrection song. So it's, it's pretty amazing how that process all works and 
how you put that all together. What are some of the other projects you're working on right now? You got any new songs in the mix? Actually, we do. Um, we have one now called Searching for Answers, and it's in the uh, basically the same state that you heard, which is some Meow Mix catnip vocals <laughs> on there, and Philip's got a, he's got a CD version of it that he's putting himself through the torture every day to listen to it repeatedly. That was going to get me the next time we get together. <laughs> oh, I get you guys plenty. <laughs> we'll have to. I'll have to ask. I'll have to ask Philip uh, what it's like to listen to Robert on repeat ask, over and over again. Yeah, ask Thomas. Thomas has cringed a few times when we're in the truck. Yeah, yeah. When I'm driving around in the truck and I got a meow mix version in because Philip hasn't done his his take on the vocals yet. I'll be driving around in the truck listening to it because I try to listen to the whole song and envision in my mind because I tend to do a lot of backup vocals. I try to start feeling out some ideas for backup vocals, which I'll throw to Robert. And whenever I get to that, Thomas gives me that, cuts his eyes at me, gives me that look like, you're not going to listen to the whole thing, are you? <laughs> like, oh, sorry, fast forward. <laughs> <laughs> no, son, this is actually good music. What's wrong with your taste? Is your taste bud in your toenail? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even all the technology in the world can't fix my voice. Auto-tune only goes so far, right? <laughs> so, I'll do my best with it, though. <laughs> <laughs> have to have something to start with to work with there. Yeah, you should hear it without the auto-tune. <laughs> but break of day that is an absolutely beautiful song about the resurrection of christ and how that came about how it changed from being a song about vampires to the resurrection of christ is absolutely beautiful and we wanted to feature that this week especially being easter week coming up for our listeners to hear and hear how that didn't quite start as what it is now it's just beautiful how god intervened and just took that in a whole different direction to glorify himself for our listeners as a reminder where can they go to find out more about winter's resurrection and get winter's resurrection music so we have um two different websites one of them is called reverb nation and you can go to www.reverbnation.com forward slash winter's resurrection all one word and then there's another website it's called uh, Mixposure, M-I-X-P-O-S-U-R-E. And their website is www.mixposure.com. And you can, I think you should be able to find it under Winters-Resurrection, but you could also do a search on the website and should be able to find us that way as well. That has all of our demo songs that we put vocals on as well as um Incomplete songs, either they don't have uh, lyrics or the arrangement, the structure of the song is still under works, but we'll put some stuff up sometimes just so people can get an idea of a few things that they're working on. Guys, thank you again for being on with us to talk about Break of Day and talk about the band a little bit. You guys have a blessed Eastern. It's been, a, been good talking to you again. Same here. Take care, Glenn. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. You too. You too. God bless. What do you think about that story, Dan? <laughs> They're awesome. The, the meow mix. <laughs> meow, 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 meow. Oh, you made it sound so much better than what it sounded like when I was there and uh, heard it coming from the closet. <laughs> that's amazing. The the little the tricks that, that songwriters use to get a final product. But let me tell you, the fit and finish, the arrangement, I wouldn't doubt it. Usually people that wrote something like way back in the 80s and still haven't, haven't quite finished it, that's usually somebody that labors very perfectionistically to be like, no, it's, it's not quite ready. It's not quite. And then all of a sudden you, you make this and then combine it lyrically so well with something that doesn't, it wasn't a forced fit. No. It's just beautiful. I like that song a lot. I really do too. I like all their songs, but this one just really kind of rises above the rest of them. When I first heard it, when they sent it to me in email, I was like, oh, wow, we have to do an entire podcast just about this song and having the opportunity to go see the process of how they do this. I was absolutely fascinated by it. Yeah, that's cool. And you're right. I think you mentioned that it's kind of the golden age of recording a little bit, because if someone knows what they're doing, if they still have to have talent and all these different things, and it's not easy, I've got a lot of the equipment myself and I always marvel when somebody can be, or a group of people can be the artists 
and they can produce their own work at a at a high quality rate. That, it, it's amazing. Yeah. I've gotten very frustrated trying it before. So. There's a lot going on over in that little studio down the street from us. God's really moving there. And here's some things that I see. I'm going to do the prophetic arts, connect the dots. Here. Okay. So Michael wrote the music for this back in the 80s. And this has a very 80s sound to it, but it's timeless. But the time of the release now, people are looking back to the 80s. There's this fascination with the 80s. Right. So right now, this is music that is very in vogue, catches the ear, peaks that interest back into, wow, what was it like in the 80s? Right. There's an interest in that again. Also, to the timing of the release of this song about the resurrection of Christ when we're going through this crisis right now in the entire world, people are trying to escape death. Hand sanitizer is the word that keeps coming to my mind. <laughs> they want hand sanitizer. Why do you think there's so many people flooding to the stores and just hoarding hand sanitizer? It's because they want to cheat COVID-19. They want to live. They do not want to die. There's the dread of death. And you and I have talked about some of these things every once in a while. There's only certain things that you can do with death. The first thing you can do is kind of just ignore it. <laughs> ain't gonna, boogeyman ain't going to get me. You can embrace it and go into a uh, total goth mindset with it without seeing the light. Or you can try to cheat it. Um, that's why the health crazes, the diets, all these things. Hey, I'm going to cheat death. Uh, the the pharmaceutical market that's out there. Oh, wow. If I take this pill, you know, Nugenics, I'm going to be, you know, like the guy on the Nugenics commercials. But all these things, they're not going to allow you to live forever. There's this piece of us that desires on the inside to live forever. And there's only one way to do that. And that's through the resurrection of Christ. Mm. Now, people don't want to do that because that's offensive. You, you have There's a cost to that. You have to lay down your life to pick up his life. And he is the resurrection and the life. When he was standing at the tomb of Lazarus, he asked Martha, hey, do you believe that I'm the resurrection and the life? Mm. And when you take a look at resurrection, it's not something that is just a New Testament concept or truth. The book of Job is the oldest book in the Bible. Did you know that? Yes. Isn't that fascinating? Mm -hmm. It was 400 years before, before Moses. And Job even spoke of the resurrection. He spoke of the resurrected Christ in Job chapter 19. I've got the notes out. <laughs> there we go. All right. This is what it says in Job chapter 19, verses 25 through 26. I love this. And we sing this a lot in hymns. I know that my Savior lives. Oh, that's in Job. Job, that is in the book of Job. Wow. I love that. I know that my Savior lives, and at the end, he will stand on this earth. My flesh may be destroyed, yet from this body, I will see God. That is from the oldest book in the Bible. Your handwriting is creepy good. I know I always comment on that. I don't want to detract from the scripture, but <laughs> you got to take a picture of that and post it on, I will on post social it. media just so people can understand. Look at that. Okay, but you know what? I'll give these away. If people want get real notes, just email us <laughs> at lithoscry at gmail.com. What a waste. What a segue into the email address. Uh, I'll send you the handwritten notes. Like you can get handwritten. But definitely lyrics. a photocopy. They don't want your COVID nasty. <laughs> I am COVID free. I am COVID free. Amen for that. Yeah. But wow. we'll book about, we're going to get a new body. People that I've been talking to are craving a rebirth. And this is. Looking out the window this morning, just seeing the green on the trees and something that Ashley Warhol said the other day is that she's been hearing more birds lately. Oh, yeah. And of course, her dad ribbed her. He's like, it's because it's spring. Yeah. Just giving her a hard time. And our friend Stacy uh, up in North Carolina from Revelation Resistance podcast, he just did a entire podcast about birds. Okay. I love it because he uses the owl as his emblem for revelation resistance podcast we use the raven but i i stepped outside yesterday and i heard more birds than anything else this podcast is for the birds this is for the birds <laughs> <laughs> this is for the birds but 
there's a desiring for a rebirth just to start it all over again. Well, if you don't have the hope of the resurrection, you know what you got? Nihilism. Yeah, <laughs> you do. It's you don't that have simple. anything. It is the big deal. It's like, is this it? You know, is it just, you know, I'm done or it's not. And all these signs around us that no, it's not. You see the a dead dormant seed turn into something beautiful. You hear the yeah. silence of winter and the cold harshness. And all of a sudden the birds go nuts. The trees go nuts. It's it's very symbolic. And in our own lives, I'm sure that we've had listeners that have been through this themselves where they're like, hey, I need a fresh start. I need to start again. Maybe they are like, hey, I need a new job because this is just getting old. It's out of control. I'm not happy here. Or they think they need to move to another state, another Maybe town. Maybe they have to. Maybe right they have now. to. Maybe they, right a lot now, of people yeah. are losing their jobs. A lot of people losing their jobs. Well, there is this desire in us always for newness of life. God put that in there. Yeah. He put in us a desire for resurrection. So a lot of times when we think that, well, maybe I just need to paint the walls a different color. You're desiring that newness of life. And then you paint the walls a different color. And then three weeks later, it's like, okay, this just really didn't do it for me. What is missing? Well, it's because you haven't been reborn or regenerated. Yeah. And if you take a look, we see it in springtime outside. We have the winter. And after winter comes a resurrection. Oh, Segway. Oh, Segway. Segway with a jet pack. Segway with a jet pack. We see the newness of life. So even in the creation, when we see the change of the seasons, we go from life to death. We go from the life of summer to the death of fall and winter. And then everything is reborn in the spring. So we are without excuse. God is showing us through the seasons the truth about resurrection. And... Gee, I am not surprised. You know, Easter is never on the same day. It's not like Christmas mm-hmm. where it's always December 25th. It's always according to the uh, to the moon phases. Interesting. And that has to do with when spring is. So in nature, we see that now where things get off kilter a little bit. We, we start near bowing. the equator. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's when we start worshiping nature. They're like, it's banana season. It's always <laughs> it's banana, banana season. season. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's when we start worshiping the season or the creation rather than the creator who's trying to show us these things through this time clock that he's developed. Yeah. The entire world is a time clock is, is what it is. Now you step outside of the world. This is what blows my mind. When you take a look at eternity, there is no concept of time. That's for a whole nother podcast, and I have to get my mind wrapped around that one. I don't know if we can wrap our mind around that one. It's kind of like, we'll just, you know what? We'll start the podcast, and it'll just be silence for 45 minutes. <laughs> and that's what we mean. We're like, yeah, uh, well, what happened? Yeah. Well, that was that was profound, the blank sheet of paper. We don't know. We, we can't wrap know. our head around can't it. can't wrap our head around this one. But there's something really wild about the resurrection of Christ that a lot of people do don't realize and it's always been one of my favorite little nuggets in scripture where it talks in matthew chapter 27 verses 50 through 53 it says when jesus had cried again with a loud voice yielded up the ghost and behold the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom and the earth did quake and the rocks rent there was a huge earthquake Mm. when jesus died on the cross It then says, and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of their graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many. Wow. Isn't that wild? Yeah, I've always wondered about that one. (laughs) It's Moses, open up. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's almost like it was... Uh, the earth was convulsing because of the incongruity of what was going on. And then the power of his resurrection was so amazing that it even had this effect on on dead people there. It's almost like this um, spiritual force was so grand. God let it overflow a little bit. And just yeah. it's I don't know the, the Bible and truth and the creation. All of it is so much stranger than fiction. It's not arbitrary. It's it is reality is like whack which will lead into another podcast but it's like uh you know it's overwhelming so there is going to be a resurrection of the dead 
even those that are not in Christ will be resurrected, but not to new life, but to judgment. Yeah. That is the truth of scripture. How that all works, I've got absolutely no idea. That's one of those things that I've always wondered. It's like, okay, so, you know, if my, my arm is decayed and everything like that, how does my body get put back together? Well, that just goes to show you how awesome God is. He knows where everything is scattered throughout the earth. And, he and can what put if your atoms are in somebody else now? Like yeah. if you were sprinkled in the ocean and, you know, on an atomic level, I've always wondered about that. It's fascinating. So is, yeah. is 3% of your body tissue, um, you know, people that lived 2,000, 3,000 years ago, what happens? Uh, everybody, <laughs> everybody that's uh, still here is kind of like, uh, I just lost 40 pounds. What happened? <laughs> it's kind of weird. Yeah, it is weird. And atoms, you know, on an atomic level, we're not really here. Right. Kind of weird. But it gets into that nihilistic science again. I don't know if I believe everything they tell me about and, atoms. And here's something I was listening to about a year ago. Jonathan Davis, the lead singer from Corn. He was having some talk on YouTube about his new album. And he he's questioning things. He's in a very good place in questioning things. And he said, you know, is this life a virtual reality? Hmm. That's a really good question. And I heard somebody put it very succinctly in context of scripture where they said, yeah, it kind of is a virtual reality because everything here is just a shadow of the heavenly. Yeah. I've thought about that lately because there are kind of like, you know, the deja vu sort of glitches in our reality. And you're like, that's beyond coincidence. What is going on with that? And then there's indications that there might be like sort of kind of a mass consciousness in a sense and a lot of different things. So there's people that don't believe in God. They don't adhere to the the scripture, but they believe in some just instead of neo-Darwinism, they think we're just in a simulation. But it's like, who's on the outside of that? Some alien, you know, with a bunch of batteries like the Matrix or whatever. And I don't think that's it. No. But I also understand that it could settle a lot of the lingering questions like people if they're Christians and they're honest and they deal with the fact of, do I really believe that anybody outside of receiving Christ is hellbound? It's a hard truth and it's scary. And we don't have an antidote for that. If you try to water it down, you're, you're violating the Bible. You're violating proper exegesis. But beyond that, if you looked back at all the things that happened, all the things that have happened in this earth, and then figure out that we were in a simulation of God's design, and you are being judged on the decisions that you make within that simulation. I've done a lot of thought about this. Boop, 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 you know? Game over. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like, but yet when you find out that, oh, like everybody's like, I can't believe in a God that would let children die in famine. And we sit there and go like, yeah, we're in a fallen world. Right. We could have gotten just all burn up, right, for all eternity. And he would have been okay to perfectly just to do so even though that's very unpleasant and we know that he's showing us love and goodness and patience and mercy and kindness and gentleness and and grace sonship and grace and all these wonderful components and then it's like still i'm you know it bothers me to think about his mercy on somebody um native american roman the 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 plains 2500 years ago didn't know anything I believe God has a provision to let that guy or gal know something. I think you're absolutely correct. And we're going to talk about that in another podcast when we talk about how whack the world is. Okay. There's something I discovered this morning that falls in line with that, what you were talking about, that God in his sovereignty, there's different. He deals with people differently. Okay. Now it's still, it's still the gospel. All right. There, it's because of the death of Jesus Christ. When we take a look at Easter, it's because of his death, the shed blood on the cross, that our sins are forgiven. And it's because of his resurrection that we can rise again. Right. Both go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. Right. Okay. But he, there's different allowances when he opens the gate a little bit wider. And I think he's going to get soon be able to do that. And the scripture does speak of that. And I found it this morning. And you're going to have to listen to our next podcast about how whack the world is, where we're going to talk about that. And yeah. he, he does that. 
Um, because he's gracious, he's merciful. He created this world. The whole reason why Jesus came to die on the cross and to be resurrected is in John 3 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. A lot of times we repeat that verse over and over again. We don't even know what we're talking about because it's been so spoken so many times. And when you just really sit and think about that, God loved the world. He loved this. He loves this creation that has fallen. He loves this creation that has been rebelling against him. And when he talks about the world, it's not just the people in the world, but he is going to redeem the entire world, cosmos, the yeah. entire cosmos, because it's fallen. Well, and remember, we talked about it at length in another podcast, but that verse is preceded by the account of Jesus himself alluding to what happened to the children of Israel in rebellion with the fiery serpents and with their fiery venom in their veins, and they were dying, and the whole looking and living paradigm to be able to look in faith upon this brazen serpent. And there's a lot there, and it's such, you know what I'm getting away from or trying to as I go? Like, we get so into kind of franchising in our mind, and we get so into... Because there's one thing, you and I are very specific. We believe in proper exegesis. Yes. Yet at the same time, we understand that with Scripture, there is the great unknown. Scripture is very limited at what it actually shows us. And then there's a massive degree of shadow. And I think that's 100% in God's mercy. We couldn't handle the truth, right, Uh, for, for all these different things. But all we know is, you know, Daddy's got this. Uh, daddy's good. Uh, we, uh, we don't know that. So I better be careful. And, and yet we can know that, yes, yeah, somebody, um, you know, on a plane 2,500 years ago that never actually heard the gospel or whatever. I don't want to get into like, we've been contaminated like cultically with groupthink. And if it was almost nobody would ever say it, but it was like, if somebody wasn't doing our recipe, right. You know, I don't mind. I don't drink beer anymore because of gluten, but I don't mind having a glass of wine or something, you know. But I mean, we were involved with people that if they saw you buying a bottle of wine at the grocery store, they would look at you and be like, I thought they were saved. You know, I mean, and and that's that sort of uh, what do you even call that? I mean, maybe legalism, but it's not like if somebody said, can you show me that someone partaking and we're not talking about drinking. It's beyond that. It's it's. How does that exclude somebody from heaven? That's completely extra biblical, but we felt that way because we were in this like churchy and group thing. And it was something that we could wrap our minds around because we as human beings in a fallen state are very performance oriented. It was a whoopee. It's a, it was a whoopee. It makes me feel better because I can touch this because uh, when you're talking about the things of the, the spirit, security blanket right, in our immaturity, we're talking about the intangible, but because we are a tangible creature we want things that are tangible yeah it's very and what you're talking about is part of the basis of what we do through lithos cry and through the get real podcast the heck with group think i've been seeing god move in areas and on people that i've never expected to see him move before right because he's sovereign and that's how much he loves this creation. But at the same time, I want our listeners to hear, and Glenn and I both agree, it's not a green light to go full-fledged ecumenical mm-hmm. universalist to believe no. like everybody's all good, it's all good. That's not what the scripture indicates. No. But we do know that God is very merciful. So while Glenn and I cling to a proper exegesis, and then when we don't know or the scripture doesn't say, then we go hog wild speculating with all kind of crazy stuff. But there are questions that might be uncomfortable for a pastor to talk about or for somebody in church. And and we sit there and go like, I really do. I want to know it. God's faithful. He's just, he's good. He does all these things. And he can be scary as he wants to. Right. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah. He can say, no, that whole generation, nobody goes to heaven. Yeah, he can do that. And but, he has done that. And it's like, and then at the same time, it's like, okay, he's got this. And then I look at how weak people are, and then you get humbled, and you look at how weak I am, and you you sit there and go, man, God is really, really merciful. He really is. And so there, God's moving in places where you would want to technically say that he, no, he can't be moving through that denomination. No, he can't be doing that over there. He can't be moving through this heathen 
metal band in, in that country. He can't be speaking through. God does what he wants. He does what he wants. And we are not saying, hey, it's sloppy, agape, universal, you know, just it's all over the place. Every, all, all paths. No, they do not. But it's at the same time, God is the author of, of all of these things. You know, right. we, we're talking about, and we can talk about this later too, but um, I have some uh, children that we've, you know, they're finding their own way in, in what, what they're doing and they're believers, but they've struggled. Just everybody's got to go through some stuff and they'll talk about, I guess you call it astrology or whatever they're into the, the where were you born? What time, what all this stuff. And I've just noticed as a spectator, a calm spectator that there is an unbelievable degree, an uncanny degree of accuracy involved with a lot of that. And I'm not talking about fortune telling. Right. I'm just talking right. about general personality traits <laughs> based off the sky clock, based off these things. And I look at that and I'm like, same way we are with music. It's all the Lords. <laughs> you know, there's not, oh, that's a demonic chord. I'm like, how do you, the whole infrastructure <laughs> of any chord that you could finger on a guitar <laughs> is the Lord's. Chord. Thank you very yes, much. That's his property, yeah. right? And it's the same thing with anything that would be derived by the heavens. And we know that the scripture with the Magi, we talked about yes. that at length. Those guys, the Zoroastrians, they knew that, whoa, something big's going down, the king of all the universe. They show up a couple years later and are bowing down before this little toddler, yeah. right? Yeah. And um, so there's it's that's the Lord's. But you mentioned it. Didn't you say that the, it was that is um, using that stuff occultically is just the stuff is real. Right. It's part it's of the infrastructure. The blood of Christ. That's the way you said it. That's very yeah. succinct. Yeah. All this. I my viewpoints have changed drastically over the past three years and even more rapidly since we've started doing this and you and I have been up here in the, in the fishbowl hashing this out. And as we've talked to other people, that was one of the things that we did not do when we were in the cult. It was always us talk. You listen to us. We know everything, you know, nothing. All right. The more I sit and listen, I learn from every one of our guests that we have on this podcast. Yeah. And what I've been learning and what I've been seeing and some of the areas where I've been seeing God move the most are in the ones who they, they believe in Jesus. There's a awe and a respect for the Lord. And they have these other things, you know, like you're talking about your daughters with the astrology going on. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's not demonic. It's, a, it's minus the blood of, the, of Christ. You, you're being rebellious. All right. And the astrology is not about me. It's about thee. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, God's moving in those circles more than he is in the stoic church that pushes those things out. Mm. And we have God built into us a desire for mystery. You read the Bible. I open it up. I'm like, who in the world would just want to get into occultic practice without this? This is living. This is spirit breathing on me right now as I'm reading this. It's not just this book that's, well, this happened in the Old Testament. This happened in the New Testament. When you break down scripture, there's things that occurred back in thousands and thousands of years ago that the way God works things are happening again now. So it gives us an idea and just the way that scripture is so perfectly interwoven together. Mm -hmm. This is hundreds of pages all right i don't know of any author that's that good that could just sit and write it by themselves and have everything connect and much less to have all sorts of different authors over thousands, thousands of, years. of years yeah like we were talking about the book of job you know i know that my savior lives yeah <laughs> you know 400 years before moses right it's mind-blowing right so there is a when I was in the Episcopal church, we would talk about the mystical body of Christ. He is mystical. The Bible is mystical. You and I have even talked about some of the great Christian mystics. Yeah. And we're not talking about Aleister Crowley. I'm talking about people like Jonathan Edwards. Yeah. A.W. Tozer. Yeah. Martin Luther. Yeah. John Calvin. They were all Christian mystics. Yeah. Because they believed that this word was living. Right. Well, it's, it's, 
at least with my... I hope that made sense. It did, totally. At least with my weird brain, Glenn, it's like, I don't know, everybody's got the way that they can glean comfort, but I don't know, weird pattern recognition maybe. But when I look at the scripture and then I see that it is brutally honest, okay? It's one thing, okay, like this. Um, I have daughters, right? And they get used to mommy compliments. And a mommy compliment, you could be, you know, mule ugly. And she's going to go, oh, precious, you are so, you're just darling, right? Right. And you look like the backside of a northbound mule. You look like gizmo. Yeah. <laughs> you like this t-shirt. Um, but there's mommy compliments. And I'm not knocking. Some of your moms are different. But the way it rolls, my, you know, they can do no wrong. She loves it. And that's great. There's a place for that. And then there's dad compliments. And it's like, I'm the one going like, sounds okay, but tune the guitar. Come on. You know, they're playing or singing and they're like, and they're annoyed with me most of the time because there's a bit of brutality in me going like, no, I'm not handing it out for free. I'm I'm not being nurturing. I'm your dad. And I'm like, oh, you know, stop, you know? Yeah. (laughs) But what happens is when I do deliver a loving compliment and it's with, they know that this is the guy that will blast me if it's off. When I give it, and when I read the scripture, we talked about how savage and brutal and terrifying, it's the scariest thing in the world, the concepts within that book. There is nothing. You could go see a Saw 3 or whatever crazy movie. It doesn't even compare with thinking about having a vessel of wrath and being under an eternal torment and judgment, fiery indignation for all eternity. It will blow your mind. It rings the bell as far as terror, psychological terror. There's nothing in any other religion or ideology that come close. But the delicate beauty of grace is unparalleled. There's nothing. Every other religion is like, yeah, you got to work for it. You know, it it gets tedious. It gets tedious and exhausting. So there's nothing like the pearl of great price of the gospel. Glenn, think about it. But with the backdrop of the brutal, honest, loving, but bam, here it is. Thou shalt surely die, you know, sort of sentiment. And then the beautiful, delicate delivery of something so sublime and that doesn't, not even the shadow of the beauty of the gospel exists in the world outside the pages of scripture. It doesn't. No. And there's a pattern recognition thing that just goes ding, 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 ding with me about how that smacks of authenticity. It's self-authenticating. Yeah. It's it's a beautiful thing about, about scripture. And I feel like a, you know, I, like I mess up all the time. Like, I don't know who I, but when I look, I draw great comfort from that, that, you read Romans chapter eight. There ain't nothing like it in the world on any. Go ahead. Study every other religion in the world. Knock yourself out. Read about elephants holding the earth up. Read about, you know, all these different demigods playing tricks on each other. Read about all these fanciful tales. Read things that may seem like they were kind of derived from scripture. Read the Quran. Read all these different things and then read Romans chapter eight. And it it just destroys them. The others aren't even animate. No. They're simply no. dead works. And then when you get this revelation of grace, you're like, wow, but that revelation comes out of the brutal, honest message of the rest of it. It smacks of father, you know? Uh. And when you look at the other ones, they don't provide a resolution for sin. No, not at all. All is suffering. And just before I was saved... I had the opportunity, I was at a major political conference at a major college, and it was at the time of one of the uh, significant Middle East talks in the 90s under the Clinton administration. And at the conference, there was a Muslim imam, there was a Jewish rabbi. I know this is going to sound like a joke. Yeah, it does. (laughs) They'll walk into a bar. Right. And And a Christian priest. All right. I listened to the imam. And something rose up in me when I listened to him speak because he was speaking about sin and unrighteousness. And that hit home. But there was no resolution for it. Yeah. All right. The Jewish rabbi that spoke, I really don't remember what he said. 
I don't, but uh, the person that was the priest that was there, I about fell asleep. I was like, what? It was all philosophy garbled. It was like, this is not. When the gospel. It wasn't the gospel. It did nothing for me. May have had a little bit of the law in it. Even the imam. Not even that. Well, okay. the imam had the law. Yeah. All right. The imam had the law. And I was like, okay. And this is when I was personally, this was like three weeks before I cried out for Jesus to save me. And I was grappling with sin. So that whole issue of sin and unrighteousness was just jabbing me. But then when I heard the rest of the story, that there is a way out, there is a way to be cleansed, there is a way to be forgiven, and it's not dependent upon what I do, because the more I tried, the worse it got. Yeah. And that resolution is in Christ. It's in his death. It's in his resurrection. It's the blood that cleanses of sin. And I'm not just talking about this new mental attitude that you put in, put on, but man, when I was born again... Dude, I felt different. I became a different person. Now, I still struggle with things, and it's been years of growing. I was not made perfect, but here's the thing is that God made us perfect, and we have to grow into that perfection through his grace. Yeah, from the inside out. From the inside out. It's from the inside out and not the outside in. And what we do being the, you know, ooh, tangible, it's got to be tangible, well, he's still doing this and this, and he still does that, and he's still blah, 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 blah. You didn't change. Oh, yeah, I changed. All right? Yeah. I, I changed. My eyes were open. I could not open scripture. I, I remember as a kid trying to read the Bible from front to cover, and I was like, oh, I can't do this. This is so cumbersome. Now when I open it up, the words are just like, oh, my, I can't believe this. This is just amazing. There was a change, and it's that rebirth. And I have to go back there. And I want to bring this verse up because, again, it gets used over and over again. And people don't, it kind of goes in one ear and out the other. But I hope right now it doesn't go in one ear and out the other. John chapter 3 at verse 3 where Jesus said, ye must be born again. You must be resurrected into new life. And that's what baptism demonstrates. That you pass from that old life to the new and that you're coming up out of the cleansing waters. Mm. It's a representation of that. And that is so key is that ye must be born again, rebirth, renewal, spiritual regeneration. Yeah. Talking about regeneration. regeneration. And you cannot, and I could not, I could not regenerate myself. Yeah. You have to understand that it is a miracle. Yeah. It is a it miracle. Is. It's it a is, it supernatural miracle. Miraculous is God creating something out of nothing and it's not making a decision for christ yeah it's not hey i'm gonna ask jesus into my heart i don't know where that came from but you know what's crazy is people that are moved in their hearts even with erroneous preaching even with stuff like god still moves that go up and be like i want to ask it sometimes the actual vernacular or the the semantics surpasses god surpasses all of it it. He, he doesn't respect the borders of denominations even cults so there's there's things where I people was are born way again out. in a cult. Yeah. Well, it was a gospel. It preaching was a gospel cult. preaching cult. But I because of that, I have no right to point my finger at any other person in a denomination and can't say that you've not been regenerated. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The but organization. At the same time, yeah. we believe in good exegesis. Exactly. And if somebody says, I'm like, no, that looks heretical to me. I'm sorry. And I would not. There's there's rules about some of that stuff. But it's amazing that. Listen, it's like. If you go to like a government office, like a DMV or something, and you have to give instructions to everybody, you have um, elderly, you have some people with maybe really poor eyesight, you have some people that are very poor, you have people that have maybe been learning disabled, never learned how to read, and you're trying to give out a service or um, give them instructions about paying taxes or renewing their license tags. And it can be very cumbersome that people understand everything at the same rate. Think about it. Not everybody's just going to be like, oh, man, I get it. I understand exactly what you're saying. I can. Well, I just read Calvin's volumes. Okay, yeah, here. And not everybody gets it. Some people you could sit there and preach for 10 years to them. And maybe all they ever get is, I'm not good. I need to be saved. Jesus, will you save me? Yeah. You know, and it's like. And on every level. So if God's not merciful, we're hating it. 
you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and the thing is, too, is that when you have somebody that's just been born again, they're not automatically going to be ex- able to express it as the way that Luther and Calvin expressed it in their volumes of regeneration. Yeah, they're going to be walking around with like Linus, wouldn't it Linus with a whoopee? With yeah. his little blanket, security yeah. blanket for a while, a little bit of legalism, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's it's this simple. It's in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. It says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, if you believe in the resurrection, thou shalt be saved. What does that mean to you? Like, as far as like, um, I know that can be taken out of content text with someone just repeating that phrase. I believe that this, this, and this, that confession. Do you know what that word means offhand? The I, confess is I it almost like being in front of a judge that that is your witness that it's flowing out of the truth that is within your heart. Well, it goes back to, I did not do the deep Greek dive on that one, but I can go back to the, what has to happen before that. Gotcha. Because in scripture, it says that no man comes unto the father, but through me. And unless he's drawn by the spirit of God. So there has to be, we've talked about this before. You have to be to Sinai before you can get to Calvary. Yeah. You have to have that conviction. And that's something that a couple, a couple months ago, I had to go to court. Okay, just routine court stuff. And there was a judge there and I hadn't done anything wrong. All right. This was just routine stuff that I had to go to court for. And just sitting there seeing the judge up on the higher seat, I started to tremble on the inside. Yeah. All right. Or it's like when you're driving down the interstate and all of a sudden you see the blue lights come on. You're like, oh, oh, okay. It's when you hear the law, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not commit murder. Thou shalt not steal. It's when that, oh, and you know that you're going to stand before someone who is much greater than you that can do something to you, that conviction. That's when that confession comes in. Yeah. Yes, officer. Yes, judge. I did it, that. It is kind of that the paradigm of like um, the king is away for a little while and you're just doing as you please. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, by the way, he was recording everything while you were gone. Yeah. It's like we do different work with the company that we're building out and and sometimes we'll notice that, you know, I tell everybody, look, do a good job all the time. But if you're in an office, you're in a facility, you're in this thing, conduct yourself appropriately because you're probably on camera all the time. But not just for that. You want to do a good job anyway, right. but for your own mind, you know, just sit there and go walk around, do everything that you're doing, knock out your work effectively but do it as if you're on camera the whole time yeah and that can that can freak us out but it's that conviction you have to have that sting and once you realize that i am the man that has sinned and violated god's holiness and his law that's when that confession comes out. yeah you're just trying to wilt my self-esteem i know what you're doing (laughs) so without going into the greek we knew we do know that is that it's the spirit that draws a man god there are some people you know, you could say, I believe in Jesus all day long. I mean, the devils do that. You know, you can say it all day long and it's not going to save you, but you have to have that drawing and that conviction of sin. Yeah. The, uh, he's good and merciful. He is good. He is good. Hey, thanks for hanging with us. Hey, I'd like to do a shout out to some of our new listeners, especially over in Europe. We've picked up some new listeners, oh, shout out. uh, some new fo- followers. And thank you for joining the Get Real podcast. We hope that we've been able to encourage you entertain you in a way (laughs) sometimes um share what we believe with you that's that's why we're doing this Uh, this is not just hey what we think we lived this and we're living this that's what we're sharing with you this is real to us and that's why we call it the get real podcast but welcome thank you for listening share it with your friends share the get real podcast and if you have any questions about resurrection being born again what it all means reach out to us uh send us an email lithoscry at gmail.com l-i-t-h-o-s-c-r-y at gmail.com and definitely check us out at lithoscry.com but boy go back to the beginning of this and listen to that song again break a day by winner's resurrection and that's what this entire podcast has been about it's been about resurrection regeneration new life lithoscry.com